Okay, welcome back to the United Pubcast and another rainy day here in Sydney, Australia, which definitely sums up the mood, Larry. It wasn't quite, in my opinion, Olympiacos levels under David Moyes, but um, it almost feels another rock bottom under Solskjaer, unfortunately. Yeah, Tom, um, a very disappointing result, and I feel like we're back where we were a few days ago, aren't we? Uh, it's We're now approaching, you know, what, looking at three losses on the bounce come the weekend, so yeah, things aren't looking too good at the moment, and yeah, it's Manchester outside in Sydney today, and it's definitely uh, feeling it in the mood. Well, after the two losses, I think after the Arsenal loss, it was raining on Monday, then obviously today, rain. I don't know, is there something matching up between Manchester and the and Sydney weather? I don't know, but if the sunshine coming back means it lifts our spirits and lifts Ollie's and the United team spirits, I'm all for it. Well, we will get unfortunately get into this morning's match in the Champions League against Istanbul. But you just mentioned lifting spirits. The one thing that did bring a bit of a smile to my face this morning, and I, I stand here, and it's maybe a bit tongue-in-cheek, but say it's the biggest mistake post-Fergie, or it was definitely Louis van Gaal's biggest mistake, selling Raphael. I absolutely loved watching him out there, and especially when he was sort of directly up against Luke Shaw. I think Raphael is everything we miss at Manchester United when you see what Luke... Oh, no, look, I'm going to get into Luke Shaw later. I don't want this to be a bash, bashing session against him. But um, how good was Raphael? Yeah, fantastic. And he's one of those players that United fans all love. None of us wanted him to go and criticise Louis van Gaal, rightfully so, when he got rid of him. Um, but yeah, I, I was... Of of course, I wanted Manchester United to get the result today, but you have to be happy for Raphael. And you know he's still a United fan at heart. So, and good to see him do well. Yeah, no, definitely. So we'll get into the game now. Um, unfortunately, now look, any European away game, even if it's in the Europa League, is going to be a tough game. I'd love to see stats of even when it was successful under Ferg's on how many actually away games we actually did win in Europe, because it's not easy to do. And I remember watching the first game Istanbul played against PSG. They should have beaten them. So, look, we should go into a game against them, obviously winning. We should be favourites and sort of trying to win that game quite comfortably. However, the fact is there are 11 professional footballers who are very good at their job and they're a good team. So I don't think it's the absolute crisis that we lost a game of football to them, but is definitely the manner. And um, as I said at the start of the podcast there, that it almost feels like another rock bottom under Solskjaer because there was just no... Whether you call us bad or not in that second half... It just wasn't good enough. You, the game plan was there. Istanbul was sitting, we were attacking, and there was just no answer. Well, I spent half the time on my phone because ju- you just knew the game, or you just knew that United weren't going to break them through. Yeah, Tom. Um, the game itself, like, absolutely atrocious. And you're right. The, again, and it's unfortunately now the second game in a row where when United have been asked to create or attack against that low block it's weird it's almost since Fergie retired the attack just went out with him because we have this nous now with the club that we just can't break down a low block and unfortunately that was the theme of the day now we obviously do set our alarms for a Champions League there was actually an early Champions League morning for us here in Sydney because obviously the time difference in Turkey so it was a five o'clock kickoff here um, I set the alarm for 4 30 to have a look at the team lineups and it is pretty much the team I wanted. Um, two and Zabi started, Matic started, one Matter started, Donny van der Beek got a start. I think everyone was quite happy with the team selection, like we were against Arsenal. However, like I keep continuing to say on every single podcast, the game isn't played on paper. Unfortunately, it's played on grass, and we seem to struggle on the grass. 
Yeah, I don't know what's going on, Tom. Um, in terms of the lineup, I'm with you. I thought it was good. And in fact, when we discussed it on Monday, we called for one Mata on the right, Van der Beek in the number 10. Well, in the number 10, yes, he, he sat with Matic, but he was quite progressive in his position. So I thought it was actually a good lineup. But yeah, unfortunately, it just it just didn't come together, did it? And I think once we went behind, which I know we'll dissect the goal, once we went behind... The, um, instant ball were just happy to sit back and basically ask United like come on to us and unfortunately besides Martial's goal we just really didn't create much it was a very disappointing second half well definitely and look we'll go into the goal now um, the first goal where do we want to start do we, do we have a bit of a laugh about it before we actually dissect it because <laughs> you have to laugh at it as bad as it was have you ever seen anything like it at this level it's funny, you know, the term that gets overused in football when you see defensive errors is, oh, that's under 10s football, or that's Sunday league defending. Like, you know, this was genuinely, without a shadow of a doubt, no exaggeration, this was under 10s defending. I've never seen it where it's like a game of FIFA. It's almost like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer put all-out attack on accident. He just hit his right arrow a bit too much. But, you know, and this isn't a criticism of the manager. That is purely the player's fault. But it was just insanity, Tom. I I can't believe the players were that far forward. What I'd love to know is... And you saw Mike Phelan. He was blowing up Deluxe um, once we conceded the goal from Demba Bar. I'd love to know who was at fault there. Um, Because Wan-Bissaka was back. And I think we both have an idea of who probably wasn't in position. But... It, it was shambolic defending. Shambolic defending. It, well, we'll it was honestly embarrassing. I think it was at fault. But just on the Solskjaer thing, he obviously got... And we'll get into Solskjaer and the whole situation surrounding him soon. But everyone, as soon as that goal went in, they were saying, look at the tactics from Solskjaer. How can he be throwing 10 people forward for a corner? This is a, bad tactics by Solskjaer. Like you said, that has nothing to do with the manager. If you think Solskjaer has said, 10 players go stand in the 18-yard box... You know, that's nonsense. Of course he didn't. That comes down to a player's responsibility. The players need to have a look at themselves there. And I think every every single player, um, I think Dean Henderson should be communicating to Matic. Matic should be aware of players being out of position. I have a look over his shoulder think, I'm going to have to cover for someone because they're not doing their job. So I think everyone is at fault. However, if I'm going to lay blame, and again, they all have to take responsibility, Luke Shaw, what is he doing? Because we had a corner on the right, and a simple rule. Unless you're Liverpool and you're going to be dominating games where you can have a six drop back in between your two centre-backs, which will allow you both full-backs to go forward. Unless you're them, it's a common rule. One full-back goes, one sits. So if your right full-back goes forward, your left full-back comes in in the centre-back. If your left-back goes forward, your right-back will then come into centre-back. Very simple. So we have a corner on the right-hand side, which one Bissaka moves forward to get involved with. I saw, I forget who whipped the ball into the box. I think the corner might have been played short. And the ball got played into the box. And I saw Luke Shaw drifting in like a late run into the box like he was pretending to be a prime Paul Scholes. And I'm thinking, what's Luke Shaw doing there? Thought nothing of it. And then the ball obviously obviously gets cleared. And then the frame changes to Denver Bar in acres of space. And I'm putting it down to, look, again, everyone does have to take blame for it. But I don't know what Luke Shaw is doing. I'm with you, Tom. Like, I don't even know what to say. Like, I, I'm honestly... When you watch it live, you just... It was actually being stunned. You didn't know what to say. And like I said, of shambolic defending. Um, someone has to take responsibility. I think this comes back to that... Yes, it's a constant. And yes, it's it's been smashed down to death. Um, but 
it's the truth. There's a real lack of leadership because with leadership, that wouldn't happen. And the fact that no one on the pitch was able to identify that risk. Um, yeah, it's quite disappointing, Look, it, if anything. It definitely is leadership, and I completely agree. However, I think it's maybe not quite that deep. I think it's just communication and awareness. Yeah, but how, do, how does that happen? In like, When was the last time you saw that in a Premier League match? Because I'm telling you, I've been watching the game since, I don't know, four, five years old. I, I can't remember ever seeing that in a professional match. Like, that's how bad it is. It was, look, it was bad, but... And look, maybe I'm glass half full. I yeah, when you do see the images, like the still images of like the team shape, I know Rio Ferdinand's posted the screenshot. You do have to laugh. Like, it sort of sums up what Manchester United, unfortunately, is at the moment. But we'll move on to the second goal and maybe just as... Okay, it's obviously not as bad, but just as frustrating. Um, they broke quickly and got a second goal. Now, obviously, I'm a huge fan of Matter. Matter's at fault here, definitely, in terms of his touch. But again, the touch stems from a far bigger problem. And again, it's Bruno just playing a careless pass. An absolute hospital pass. He sends it over Matter's head onto the other side and just Matter takes the wrong option, definitely. Um, and then he gets done for pace and then... I just switched off then because I knew the goal was coming so I sort of don't have a clear recollection maybe you can sort of clear my mind but then obviously the ball came into the box a lot of people were drawn to towards the ball um, cross went to the far post and decent finish by the lad yeah there's there's not a lot to break down basically we've lost possession the players weren't ready for it and then you've just had players pulled I think Fred got pulled out Maguire got pulled out and at that point it was just an unmarked man to finish the goal so Look, again, poor defending. And the, the criticism I have of United this season, if you look at our defence, it's almost whenever there's almost... This wasn't even a counter-attack, but it's almost when when we lose possession suddenly, the defence doesn't appear to be good enough to react. Um, and, and that's a real concern. And I don't know if there's a lack of ability because if you look at our record and particularly the way we finished last season coming back from lockdown... United had a really good goal record. So I'm almost mystified. Like, Unless Maguire and Lindelof became horrible defenders overnight, or Tuanzebe or McTominay or whoever, I just can't put my finger on it, Tom. I think, is it just purely a lack of confidence? Like, If I'm bringing it back to you, is it, is it just there's a lack of cohesion? Do these players not get along? Is it, is it the manager? Because I don't think these players... I can't say like he's lost the dressing room, quote-unquote. I can't put my finger on it, Tom, but... There's something like just the way we're conceding the goals, it does make you think there might be a deeper lying issue. Well, I'll just go back to your point in regards to sort of when we lose the ball and that transition where teams sort of seem to get a little bit of joy. And the way I see it is whenever you're attacking, and, and th- this stems from like a lesson you can sort of take into life, is, but especially on the football pitch, no matter the situation and how good it is, in the back of your mind, you always have to have the worst case scenario in your mind thinking, okay, this goes wrong, what's going to happen? So you need to know, if we're going forward, if my right winger's got the ball, I'm going to back him to beat his player and get a fantastic cross in, and our striker's going to rise above everyone and head it into the back of the net. However, if our right winger loses the ball, where am I? What happens? And I think that comes back to a lot of the criticism I've labelled at some of it, or a lot of our players over recent weeks is just an intelligence and an awareness around them. Obviously, fantastic footballers, a lot of them, great technique, great physical attributes. But I think in, in terms of a, a term we use quite often in terms of football IQ, I think some of our players um, severely lack it. Yeah, I'm with you, unfortunately. Um, particularly, I don't want to go too hard on him because he is a brilliant footballer. And to be honest, if he doesn't come into United's squad 
in January. We don't finish in the Champions League positions, but you have to say Bruno Fernandes, just the nature of some of his balls, it, it's 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 really poor. Like you need to be more considerate. I totally appreciate he's more, a more risky player, and when it comes off, it's brilliant. But I still think as a midfielder, whether you're advanced or not, there has to be a level of responsibility to be better with the ball. And I think yes, the touch from Mata is poor, but we all know Mata's a class footballer, and the pressure he put him under so carelessly, he just he needs to be better there. Yeah, no, definitely. Now, time at that time of the week where we scrape the bottom of the barrel looking for three two ones we have dug ourselves a hole but we will continue to dig this is going to be a tough one um but maybe not the two we've had some probably tougher ones the arsenal match was bad the spurs match was, was a horrendous one so might actually be um quite comfortable but i have a few players in mind of three two ones depends on what what order you want to put in if or if you have any other shouts but I'm, i thought Martial look it wasn't good and definitely not worthy of three points but ultimately got a goal I thought when the ball came into him, he, he sort of did well, but I think that those, those around him wasn't quite clicking. But I thought Martial was okay. I thought Donny van der Beek did well. Um, unfortunately, got hooked, um, which we'll get into in terms of Solskjaer's decision-making. But I thought van der Beek did very well. Again, didn't stand out, but again, no mistakes. I thought it looked very tidy. And again, one Bissaka, and I don't want to... Maybe this is maybe just my direct comparison with Luke Shaw on the other side. But again, one Bissaka, I think is doing fine again sometimes we need more than fine as Manchester United but any other shouts I thought look and this won't go down well with a lot of listeners I thought McTominay did well when he came on but unfortunately that type of substitution you're almost looking for a little bit more and McTominay was never going to come on and change the game and get, get you two goals so I think he did well but ultimately he wasn't the sub that was going to win it for us yeah yeah I'm with Aaron I agree with Martial I think he's Deserved owner of the three points this week. Why? Because he brought the creme brulee. So for those who don't know, when Martial scores a goal, it's called a creme brulee. But I'm with you. I don't think he was brilliant, but I thought when he, much like we said about Greenwood against Arsenal, when he got the ball, he looked lively. He got the goal. Um, I thought it was awful defending by uh, Istanbul. But nonetheless, um, he gets it, gets above his defenders in between them and scores the goal. And um, yeah, he looked lively. So I think if we're scraping the barrel, he's got the one with, I don't know, the most Nutella at the bottom of the jar, I suppose. And I think pretty, well, would you say Vanderbeek for two, Wambasaka for one? So we can move on to the next topic, which is a little bit of a interesting topic. You happy with those two votes? Yeah, I think so. Um, look, I think, like you say, we're scraping the barrel. We're just trying to give this 3-2-1 some meaning, so... Yeah, let's move on, mate. If I could, I would sort of maybe put a case forward for Raphael to get some points and maybe include him in um, the current Player of the Year votes because I would love to see Raphael back in a United shirt. But I digress. We'll get back into the elephant in the room and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And this is a tough one because I think, look, at the time of recording this, there has been no statement from United and I would be shocked if there was. But at the time of recording this, he's still the Man United manager. I don't expect that to change in the next day or two, I expect to see him in the dugout against Everton. However, at the start of every season when the fixtures come out, I, I pencil in drop points at Everton every season. Whether we're going to draw or lose, I pencil in that we're going to drop points there. I can't tell you the last time we won there. Maybe maybe Jose Mourinho when, when Lingard and Martial scored, maybe. We always struggle there. And they're obviously a good team this season, so it'll be a very tough game. Um, I think it could very well be, if I'm putting money on it, I think it's his last 90 minutes as Man United manager. 
Yeah, mate, I'm with you. I think it's, truthfully, 90 minutes to save his job. And I know that sounds crazy because we're talking about, you know, three losses on a row in a row, but it's hardly the worst thing. But in saying that, it's so weird how the nature of our season just feels so depressing, doesn't it? And it was only a week ago we had such a fantastic result against Leipzig. But it can it can change so quickly. Um I'm with you, Tom. I, I don't know what he does, um, and I'm sure we'll get into team selection, but I'm with you. I, I genuinely think if he loses this game, maybe that it's not the nail in the coffin, but it's going to be one more it's one more hit in. Do you think, because a lot of us on Facebook and Twitter have got into the debate now, and we'll get into Pochettino in a little bit, but obviously Solskjaer v Pochettino, and it does look like if Solskjaer does lose his job, that Pochettino is obviously top of the list. Um, United definitely have a concrete interest in him, and he's available. So we will get into that, but forget the Pochettino for a little bit. At the moment, and we do know the bigger problems, that's another debate in terms of the Glazers and the structure of the club. Is it the right decision to sack Solskjaer from a football point of view in terms of the way we've started this season and what the what we're sort of trying to um, achieve this season? I don't agree with sacking him. I really don't. Um, look, I don't think the results are there, but I think you need to allow a manager to dig it their way out of this because every time let me give one bit of credit to Solskjaer every time this sort of form comes in he manages to pull out a big result so I wouldn't count it against him to do the same this weekend however yeah I mean look the pressure is definitely piling on and I think given the financial results and the financial impact that Manchester United's going through do you think they'll actually be willing to pull the trigger with Solskjaer? Is it that because his wage is so low compared to, say, a Jose Mourinho, that in fact maybe they will be happy to pull the trigger? There's all these unknowns with COVID that I just don't know if the club is going to look at it purely from a financial perspective or are they going to look at it in terms of the team's not performing, we just need to get rid and bring someone else in? Yeah, look, it's very tricky. But I think a lot of it, and I was called out on um, Twitter and Facebook today in terms of being in the sort of ollie in the ollie out camp and not trying to criticise Solskjaer. And I think if you actually listen to this podcast, like both of us, as much as we support Solskjaer, deep down we've always said for United to progress and to win trophies, Solskjaer is not that manager. However, there is a difference. You can support the manager and hope he does well, but also think that, yes, deep down you do need another manager. However, the reason I have always been, and I hate the term, ollie in, but so-called I don't want him to be sacked, because if Solskjaer gets sacked, that means United are losing games. Every week, every week United take the field, I want United to win that game. So if United are winning, then he's not going to get sacked. So that is the reason I don't want Solskjaer to be sacked. Is there a better manager out there in Pochettino? Very likely. And it very well might be Pochettino. However, we'll get into his sort of resume in a little bit. But I'm really hating this debate at the moment in terms of Oli in, be Oli out. And you have to be one or the other. In my opinion, the manager, it's pointless. Okay, we've seen it being pointless with Moyes, Van Hal, Mourinho, and now Solskjaer. It's almost a moot point. It's it's just a bit of icing on the cake, which absolutely just froth. It means nothing. So um, I just hate this debate of Oli in, be Oli out, because we will get into it. Pochettino, he might be fantastic, but it'll ultimately be a fantastic failure, because we've seen this dance before. I'm with you, Tom. And until the board pull out their finger and genuinely back a manager with genuinely so- like the signings he actually wants 
This is going to be the continuous cycle. We gave Liverpool so much grief for 30 years and no championship. I'm telling you, United are well on their way. Where are we now? After this season, we'll be at uh, seven years? That is, crazy. There. that is crazy when you think about it. Because I still remember that season. I still remember vivid details about that season. And it feels like yesterday. Then you think, seven years? Like that'll, in no time, that'll be ten years. It really will. And that's the thing. We're three years away from it. It's nothing. And in fact, what we're halfway through the year already. So look, we look like we're going to struggle for a top four finish. Don't worry about the title. Well, we will get into Pochettino in a bit, but first we'll just go to some of the Facebook comments that were posted after after this morning's Champions League game. Um, George said, I thought I was being a little dramatic at the pub when we last recorded when I was saying that relegation was the only way we could clear out the board, get new owners in and start afresh. But who knows, if this season keeps going as bad as, bad as it is, maybe it's on the cards. Well, one, one can dream. I think all of us deep down wouldn't mind a season in the Championship. It would be... Um, quite fun for multiple reasons my main reason being hopefully it would weed off a lot of our so-called fans but um yes i don't think we'll get relegated who knows it would add a little bit of spice to the season um rob said it's just sad to be honest the usual usual cycle will start again from scratch i don't know what the answers are i've never been ollie out but also not ollie in but i did say that i wanted pochettino after jose was sacked and Sully said, back to square one. Players not doing the business for Ollie anymore. Sad to see a legend being treated this way by his players. And that, that, that one sort of sticks with me because I always go back to obviously my favourite player of all time, Roy Keane. And he had that famous saying of a leopard that won't, won't change its spots. And unfortunately, it is coming down to the players. I think everything that we've seen, and Solskjaer definitely deserves huge criticism in terms of a lot of his tactical approaches, substitutions, but I think the players are getting off of what so easy from this. And just your thoughts on that one, mainly in regards to the Roy Keane comment, a leopard won't change its spots, and sort of how the players... Do you see them treating the manager poorly, or do you think it mainly falls on the manager? I love Roy Keane, but I'm not sure where I sit on this stance, because... If you look at the players who are there, I don't. I think we look. We're not with them day in day out, right? But I think you can say most of these players seem like they're level-headed guys. Harry Maguire seems like a good guy. Lindelof seems like a good guy. Like there's nothing. There's no arrogance about them, and almost that's almost my criticism of this squad, where I don't see a bastard in the team. I, I don't think there's any intent by the players to throw Solskjaer under the bus. I just think it's a makeup of their ability and characteristics that won't change their spots. exactly. Exactly, and I think it comes back to that point we made earlier where there's a genuine lack of leadership and with that lack of leadership means when players face... like You said um, you made a brilliant example in the Arsenal match. You said Fred and McTominay went hiding. I think if you were to use that in a, metaphor, in a metaphorical sense to discuss the players taking responsibility, when it's time to step up and put our hands up and take the blame, well, instead of taking the blame, it's almost like we'll just let the manager take it. They've gone hiding, Tom. And it's time to really step up and be counted on Saturday because if he gets a bad result against Everton, like we said, it could be his head on the chopping block. Yeah, no, definitely. And lastly, Josh said, another spineless performance really. Looked okay for 12 minutes and they scored one of the most laughable goals that you'd struggle to see in Sunday League. I mean, I'd be embarrassed if we conceded to City like that in our charity match in a few weeks. Which he brings up a good point, which I'll just give a little bit of a plug um, now. For those in Sydney, on the 28th of November, um, down in Caranbar, the Man United Supporters Club here are going to take on 
the Man City Supporters Club. We played them a couple of years ago and we beat them 4-2. But we're going to play another match um, at the end of the month to raise money for the Manchester Food Banks. So I'm um, hopefully raise a couple hundred bucks there and obviously kick a few blues while we are at it. So um, we'll definitely plug a few more details in the coming weeks. But if you can save the date of the 28th of November, it would be good to get as many Reds down there because the last thing we do want in Sydney is um, more Manchester City fans to show up than United fans. That would not be a good look. But we will now move on. We have touched on Solskjaer, but now on to potentially United's next manager, uh, Maurizio Pochettino. Where to start? I'll, I'll let you take the floor first because it's an interesting topic. Um, first of all, is he the right man? If Solskjaer leaves, is, is he the right man? Um, in my opinion, he's not. And the only reason I say that is, I come back to that point, he hasn't won anything. And I think with the squad he had, he probably should have. And even if he didn't, the concern for me is his mentality. So some of the things he used to say about the League Cup was really concerning. Like, yes, I agree. I, don't, I think it's the least prestigious out of the four major trophies that you can compete for in the English game. However, I just find it's almost a little bit arrogant to have this approach of that trophy doesn't matter. I think when you win a trophy, especially with a group of players, it shows that gets, sign of just gets those players that winning mentality, teaches them how to win under pressure in must-win games. So I don't know how he'll handle being at Manchester United where you're literally expected to win every single game of football that you play, irrespective of your squad and how good it might be in terms of the greater game. How's he going to handle that pressure? I just, I just don't see enough... In that respect. Now, you can look at it from a tactical perspective. Yes, I think he's shown he's got, he's tactically fluid. I think he's shown that he's, he's willing and able to change his formation on the run to accommodate what the opposition is presenting. So on that front, yes, maybe he does make the squad better. But again, Tom, for any manager, Pochettino or otherwise, they need to be backed. Is the board going to give him the resources to actually go into the market and make a difference and sign the players he wants? Because again, if that doesn't happen, I don't care if you bring Sir Alex Ferguson back out of retirement. It, you're not going to get the fruits of good results. Well, that's the thing. And it's, again, it's a huge debate which will surround any manager coming in. But at the end of that, if Solskjaer leaves, we'll currently have a vacancy where you're going to have to put someone in there. So we're going to have to look at it just from a football point of view and the training ground and the 90 minutes on a Saturday. And the reason I look, I've always been a fan of Pochettino. Now, he does have, I do have concerns over him, but in regards to if we do have a vacancy, Pochettino would be the right man for me. Now, it's interesting because you, you could just see it. We'd lose our first game and everyone would say, why did we get a manager who was sacked from Spurs and he, he lost to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Solskjaer schooled him and he's never won a trophy before. That was what will happen. So everyone calling for Pochettino now, they'll be saying that after week one or week two. That is just unfortunately how social media and the fan base currently works. But I do look at that and think... He, he didn't, I wouldn't say he failed at Tottenham. Um, he ultimately didn't achieve what he wanted to achieve at Tottenham, but he did do well at Tottenham. So it's kind of a little bit, hypocrit- a little bit hypocritical, but it's hard to evaluate his time at Tottenham. But I just think Tottenham is a different beast. You can't just say, oh, he did that at Tottenham, he'll do this at United. It is a different beast completely, and I'm not sure how... He, he might suit it to the ground. He might be the absolute perfect manager for us, and I hope he would be. But I just don't know how he makes that transition from ultimately not achieving at Spurs, suddenly to achieving at Man United. I, I can't see the direct line there. 100%. And like I said, I think he's got the tactical ability. He's got 
he's got he ticks a few boxes. He definitely does promote youth. So I think in that respect, he he does satisfy the Manchester United DNA. But look, there's a lot he needs to prove. Like you said, he he didn't while he did well at Tottenham, he didn't achieve amazing results. Um, in fact, I could see the Glazers loving him though because he sure liked to operate on a tight budget. Um, so he's like, we'll see what happens. I, I think. If Solskjaer's given, I'd love Solskjaer to be given more time. Um, but yeah, I think if, if he does go, it will be Pochettino. How he does, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Well, I think that's one of the things which w- would work in my favour with Pochettino if he came in. I think we see Manchester United as this biggest club in the world, the biggest club in England, the best team. We should be challenge- challenging for titles. However, in reality, where are we? We're, okay, we're at the moment, we're, God, we're near a relegation battle, for God's sake. But you would say we're around fifth or sixth um, in England. Unfortunately, I'm assuming someone maybe have the um, facts and figures to sort of correct me, but I assume Tottenham were in and around that same position when Pochettino took over. Um, obviously, a different beast financially, but that's that type of squad, maybe the six or seven best team, and he obviously did improve them. So again, I've said Solskjaer's job now isn't to win the league; it's to sort of make that next step. And if Pochettino came came in, if he did achieve, if he did do what he did at Tottenham at United, it would improve us, no doubt. Um, does that improve us to the level we want to be at? Um, time will tell. But um, I think it's an interesting comparison to the almost the level of squad that he took over at Tottenham and, and what he would be taking over at United would be quite similar and maybe something that does suit him. So that would be an interesting one. But um, yeah, well, we'll move on because I'm assuming by the time you're listening to this, there might be news on either Pochettino or Solskjaer's side of things, but um, definitely a debate for um, post-Everton, regardless of the way the result goes. But we'll move on to Everton um, just to wrap up the podcast. How do you, how do we approach this as fans? Are we looking at this thinking, are we just going to try and enjoy Solskjaer's last 90 minutes? Or is it 90 minutes to turn everything around? He wins this game 4 or 5 nil, which God knowing United is very likely to happen now when the back's against the wall. And suddenly Solskjaer turns a new page? Or is this um, just going to be an, an inevitable dire 90 minutes that ultimately um, unfortunately loses his job yeah I don't know Um, I think he needs to try something different I think we've I want to say like you know I want to say you know try a three-man midfield or you know do a 4-3-3 but I don't think it's about that I think now it's just about doing the basics right you know Bruno Fernandes don't do chips to one mutter and put your teammates under pressure um, Harry Maguire distribute the ball better you know make better decisions with the ball don't have 10 you know goalkeeper well yeah and and that's the thing I just if United can just do the basics right because unfortunately and <laughs> look I think Everton are probably coming at a weird time because they've obviously started so high but they've hit they've, they've teetered a little bit they've had a few you know not amazing results um, and it could be an opportunity for United to almost come into a team who's sort of in a similar patch. Maybe our results have been a little worse when you take in the grand scheme of things and the Champions League. But I think we're probably going into a side with similar form. So it's an opportunity for United just to go back to basics and just you know focus on keeping the ball and play well. I think Everton are going to sit in a low block against us. That's what I expect. Carlo Ancelotti is a very tactical manager. Um, and he'll he will be prepared, and it will be a tough game. And they've got dangerous players, so yeah. If you're if you're Oli in terms of the players he chooses, I think he's just got to choose with what he has. He's not going to pull someone out of the academy now, is he? So 
he'll go tried and true, but um, Martial will be back uh, this match. So I think that's a massive boost um, to Wally. And it's a weird one, like with Cavani, he's just, again, not getting a lot of game time. You know, maybe it's one for him to come in if we are going to be coming against that low block. Like, yeah, but I don't know what he does, Tom. I really don't. Yeah, it's a weird one. Like I said in the last podcast, I don't think there's a correct answer into how he approaches a team selection now. Because I think what the team needs, or any team needs, is some type of consistency and fluidity in, in sort of playing with the same players. However, if you go lose a game, how can he be, be under so much pressure to change it? Because he has to change it because it wasn't good enough. But you do need to play players through it. So there's no correct answer. Um, like, like we said, it, it, the team selection in the last two games has looked correct on paper. Um, it just hasn't quite worked out. So it will be very interesting. It is a nice early kickoff for us here in Sydney, 11.30 on a Saturday night. Quite a, um, a rarity. Yeah, well, it's it's funny you say early. Like That's that's where we're at. 11.30pm is, is a good thing. So... If we're going by that same thing, I'll take a 1-0 victory. Um, or should we say a nil-all victory? Because is that his... You know what? Let me sort of flip this to you. Is a draw a good enough result for Ali, or is this game must win? Because I know it sounds absurd, but it almost feels like a draw might just get things back on track. But from a fan perspective, of course, it's, you know, I think we really need to win this match. Look, in terms of Manchester United's history, a draw at Everton is good. It's, Ferguson will take that every single day of the week and twice on a Sunday when he was managing United. Even our best teams. Australia's first will take a draw at Everton. Again, we're in a completely different situation now. A draw at Everton is almost crisis, so it is a hard one. I would... It depends. Are you 2-0 down and you come back with a thrilling 2-2 draw? Or is it a sort of lacklustre, nil-all draw? I think there are two types of draws, and I don't think a draw would... um, be seen as any type of positive unfortunately and we are in a position where we need to win so yeah no doubt a draw isn't good enough unfortunately so it will be very interesting but we'll be back um, either Sunday or Monday to um, dissect what happened at Goodison Park and look there might be really significant news to discuss and um, if so um, we will definitely discuss at length on the podcast and hopefully maybe on the international break which is coming up maybe we can organise one of those sort of pub get-togethers where or any of the listeners can come down, have a few beers with us, and we can, um, so, I don't know, I, I would call it a mid-season review, but it's only it's still the early stages, but it almost feels like a mid-season review. And, and anyone can have their say on the podcast, feel free to come down, but we'll let everyone know the details of that shortly. But um, until then, Larry, um, nice chatting to you, again, after a disappointing loss, but you do seem to, I, I do look forward to them, if that makes sense. Yeah, cheers, mate. Yeah, look, let's just hope that when we're discussing this result on Sunday that it's a positive outcome and hopefully Ollie's still in the job. Fingers crossed. No, definitely. So hopefully everyone enjoyed this podcast. Make sure you subscribe on all your podcast apps and if you can leave us a rating or review, that would be very much appreciated. And until then, enjoy the rest of your week and we'll chat to you next week. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.